0: Once again, it's wonderful to have the opportunity to be together and to, to share God's Word with you, and we're in a message series from the book of Nehemiah, and that's a that's a lot of fun. Nehemiah is a great Old Testament character, and the title of our series is Rebuild, and what we're doing during these months of 2021, these first few months of 2021, is just looking at how our own lives can be rebuilt in certain areas, and certainly one of those are, are the Spiritual practices that all of us need to to engage and re-engage. It's the twenty-one days of prayer and fasting, and uh, one of the things that I do is I I read this publication or this book called The Story, which is kind of the thirty-thousand-foot view of Scripture in thirty-one chapters. I read a chapter a day, and it's all Scripture, but it gives you the the chronological picture of scripture. I do that and I've challenged you to read through the Bible in a year beginning on January 1. You can still pick these things up. U version, many of you are on U version right now watching uh, or rather following along with the notes and the scriptures for today's message. There are plans there to help you navigate these things. These are things that we can do to begin a year to rebuild some of the things within our life and also as a church there are a number of things that we are rebuilding as we have come out of, you know, 10 months of Just uh, so many different things that have been somewhat, there's an upheaval, and we are in the process of rebuilding during the course of 2021. Well, Nehemiah frames that for us. So we have been in this study now, this is our third week, and looking forward to what God's going to say to us in the weeks that are ahead. Well, today, uh, 45 years ago, let me start there, 45 years ago next week, 45 years ago next week, I made the biggest ask of my life, for the second time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I said the second time. <laughs> so now, while I will readily admit, okay, I, I wanna go on record as saying immediately, I will readily admit that what I'm gonna share with you now is not, was not my finest hour, okay? I have done better, but I will say this. If longevity is any indicator What I did and how I did it, we might want to consider it in today's current generation. Well, let me explain it. Marcy and I, my wonderful wife, dated uh, about three, a little over three, three and a half years before we got married. And... uh, what I did, son of uh, impulsively, I, I really believed that she was the right one for me. And so on an impulse, I asked her to marry me underneath a 76 gas station sign in Santa Cruz. I know, isn't that romantic? I mean, there's just nothing quite like that kind of atmosphere. 76 station sign. You know, and the, and the thing is, she said yes. It was really cool. However, I wasn't particularly ready, I think. I, it was more impulse, I think, and uh, so that we kind of separated for a period of time, and we broke off that engagement, and I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful that she hunted me down until she was able to convince me to, well, that didn't happen. Trust me, that did not happen. I I was the one who I continued to pursue her And I finally convinced her to marry me. Well, with that being said, I had had this romantic night planned out to when I was going to ask her to marry me. It was on her birthday, no less. That's next week. That's why 45 years ago. On her birthday, I was going to take her to a beach. It was going to be, it was going to take her to the beach. It was going to be on a moonlit night. It was going to be epic. Going to be great. And then her best friend, invited us to dinner that night at their house. And I thought, oh, that's great. I would get to go to dinner. I don't have to pay for dinner. And then I'll take her to the beach and I'll propose and it's going to be marvelous. So we get to the dinner and then her friend pulls a surprise birthday party that night for, my, for Marcy, which nobody told me about. It not only surprised her, it surprised me. And out of that surprise, I did not act particularly, I didn't do good, okay? In fact, it was, my response was awful. It was arrogant. It was, let me just say, here's what I did. I got so upset, I went in the back room and fell asleep while they had the party. Now, I'm not proud of that. So after the after we we drove home, I was so I was so aggravated. I didn't know what to do. So we're on driving home. We finally we were having a very heated discussion, a, A.K.A. fight. But we I pulled the car over and we continued. And then in the midst of that, I took the ring and I threw it at her, and she accepted it and said yes. And 45 years later, we're still married. There we go. Now I, I'm not telling you. I'm telling you this. Not because I'm proud of the way that turned, I'm not proud of the way that all went down. I have been paying for that for 45 years. I'm telling you. (laughs) I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But we have had a lot of conversation about this, and I did not do well with it. However, it has worked out well. But let let me say this, that was a big ask. That was a big ask. And what I thought I had done to prepare, there were some other things in my own life and character that just, Really didn't work out all that well. Well, we're going to talk today about the big ask. The big ask. And for Nehemiah, it's a little bit, it's far different than what I just I just described. But here's the thing I want you to understand. Big asks are more common than we might think they are. All of us, at some point, are going to have the opportunity to have a big ask. Maybe it, it's as simple as, The first time we ask for the keys to the car. Maybe it's a big ask of asking a friend or a family member some financial help. That's a big ask. Maybe it's asking for a day off when, you know, no one else is getting a day off. Maybe it's asking for a raise. Maybe it is asking that very special someone to be your spouse. Big asks are a part of life. And here's what I want you to understand right from the outset this morning. The bigger the ask, the bigger the ask, the more we need God's help and guidance. The bigger the ask, the more we need God's help and guidance. And we've learned that Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is going to make a big ask, and that's our, our text today. We've learned Nehemiah is an incredibly capable leader. He had a very important role in the kingdom of Persia. He was a man of prayer and humility, compassion, compassion. Uh, he was also a man of action. He was, a, he was a leader's leader. And God had called him to a very monumental task, which there is no doubt would require God's help and God's guidance. And I wonder what it was that prepared him. What are some of the qualities that we can identify that prepared him for this monumental task and the big ask leading up to it? So let's look together at Nehemiah chapter 2, in the first ten verses. So if you're in U version with us, follow along or open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter two, beginning at verse number one. In the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, and so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you were not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he'll give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat, the Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very, very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us. Encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. There are a number of things that I want to leave with you that are, 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 so ref, are, are so much a part of Nehemiah's life that I believe really prepared him for this big ask. The first one is this, that he's patient, that he's patient. In Nehemiah chapter 1, what we read is in the month of Nisan. Now, he gives us a calendar date. Well, that calendar date is like November, December, Okay? So when we come to chapter 2, verse 1, what do we read? Well, hearkening back real quick, he said, give, me, give, give your servant success today. Well, but you go to chapter 2, and now you read that uh, this is, excuse me, month of Kislev was December, November, December. The month of Nisan is now in April. That's where we pick up the story in chapter 2. Think about that for a moment. He begins the prayer in December, and now. He has the opportunity in April. What is that? He's patient. He is patient. Over 100 days have passed, have elapsed since Nehemiah asked that God would give him success that day. That's a lot of waiting. And I said last week that we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. Let me ask you a question. And I I wish we were together where I could get your responses. In fact, you could respond online. That'd be great. What is your favorite fast food restaurant? Is it In-N-Out? Is it Chick-fil-A? Is it Taco Bell? Now, regardless of which one it is, you know the reason we like it? Now, now, honestly, Taco Bell really, Taco Bell is Taco Bell. It's really not Mexican food. It's Taco Bell. It's its own thing. It has its own little niche. In-N-Out are great burgers and Chick-fil-A, they do great chicken And that's all fine if we like the food. But you know, one of the major reasons we like it is we don't have to wait. We can show up and literally it's there. We don't like waiting. When big asks are on our horizons, and they will be, waiting on God is difficult. You see, Nehemiah was looking at it, God give me success today. Today. Give me success today. And now, four months later, finally the opportunity comes for him to to be asked the question. And for him to ask the question, the big ask. And I wonder, maybe you prayed a prayer like this, Lord, give me patience. And God may have answered your prayer just like this. Wait. And it's important for us to understand that waiting time, waiting time is not wasting time the wait allows us to develop an intimacy with God that is not developed in any other way. Waiting on God, and that's what Nehemiah did. For four months, he waited on God before the opportunity came for this ask that he would be confronted with from Artaxerxes and his ask of the king. So I wonder, what is your big ask right now? God hears you, God knows your need, God's with you, and he will, he will make good on all of his promises at the perfect time. Isaiah chapter 48 and verse number nine says, this is what the Lord says, at just the right time, I will respond to you. Do not discount the timing of the Lord. God has it perfectly dialed in, perfectly wired. The praying months of Nehemiah, listen to this, the praying months of prepared him for the crucial minutes. The praying months prepared him for the crucial minutes. In the midst of this time, he was intimately involved with God. He was learning more and more of God. God used that time to prepare him, to guide him for the big ask. As we live patiently and with unwavering confidence in God, he will be, He will be and he will do all that we require of him at just the right time. The second thing that I see in Nehemiah's life is that he displays wisdom. You know, he's patient, but he also displays wisdom. And he does it in two very unique ways. The first one is this, that he, he did it with honor. He did it with honor. Nehemiah was sad in the presence of the king And you notice that the text said it this way, he hadn't been sad before. Now for a Persian monarch to see one of his very key individuals sad, that wasn't a good thing. This very likely was kind of a, it could very well, some commentators think that this was like a celebration or a party because usually the queen would not be invited into an official um, meeting of the king and his court as it were. But it may have been a birthday celebration. It may have been some other type of celebration where the queen was present. And now, Nehemiah is in the presence of the king and say, hey, don't rain on my parade. This isn't going to happen. Everybody had to be happy in the presence of the king, and Nehemiah wasn't. And for the first time in four months, the king saw something different in Nehemiah. And he said, your face is sad. Why why is that? What's up? What's going on? And Nehemiah, before we kind of see what he says, you notice this little phrase, and I was very much afraid. Man, do I get that? You, you can only imagine. It could have meant his life if the king didn't like the way his, you know he was, he was responding, the way that he was even looking in his presence. But how would we, how would he respond? He would respond with honor. You see, I believe that honor positions us well for big asks. And Nehemiah was a man of honor. Nehemiah's statement, you see this, he says this, may the king live forever. Now that's a statement of honor. I really do believe that Nehemiah had the very best interest of the king in mind. He honored him. That while it was a customary statement, it loudly speaks of the honor and respect that he gave to Artaxerxes. And I would, under, I would also say that big asks, remember, are in our future. And, and whether it's someone close to you or more importantly, God, I believe the honor our lives display every day factors strongly into God's readiness to answer our big asks. I want to be a person who honors others. I want to be a person certainly that honors God. Listen to what Peter writes. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is the head of state or the officials as he is appointed. He is appointed. For the, king, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Listen to this. It is God's will, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people, ignorant people who make foolish accusations about against you. For you are free, yet you are, to re, you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil, listen to this: respect everyone, love the family of believers, fear God and respect the king. Notice that honor and respect are given to everyone, human authorities at all levels, the king and most certainly God. Nehemiah is a great example as he prepares for a big ask. His honor is evident, is ours, is ours, is mine. The second thing, he shows honor through tact. Tact. Tact is the king's sense or a keen sense of what to say or to do to avoid giving offense and its skill in dealing with difficult or delicate situations. Oh my goodness, do we need tact? Do we need tact? Have you ever done this where you're in a conversation with someone and you say something and immediately upon saying it, you regret it? Now, gratefully, today, if you do like an email, you send an email with Google, if you do on like Gmail, you have an opportunity to undo it if you get down to it fast enough. But sometimes when we just say it, oh, my goodness, I immediately, oh, no, and you're just grasping to get the words back. You just want to pull them back, but you can't. And honestly, Nehemiah, he just answers the king with tact, and I think it shows, I believe it shows honor. And I believe in all of the preparation up to this point, God had been preparing him for this moment. You see, Nehemiah could have just given the king a piece of his mind at that moment. You say, well, how, why, why would you say that, Gary? What would he be upset about? Well, it was 13 years earlier that Artaxerxes, the same king, put a stop to the rebuilding of the temple. He says, that's got to stop. And see, Nehemiah most likely knew that, learned of that at least. He could have said, well, the reason I'm sad, king, is because you did this and you did this. In other words, I'm gonna give you a piece of my mind and just unload. Well, you know, when I think about that, here's the phrase that comes to mind. Most of us can ill afford giving anybody a piece of our mind. We can't do it. We, I don't wanna get rid of any of that. We shouldn't go there. Anyway, when the king asked Nehemiah, He could have have gone down that road, but he chose not to. He chose not to. And I love the way that he does respond. He responds tactfully. And you'll notice, if you read the text again, you're going to see some things. He's going to mention the the city of Judah, in Judah, where my ancestors are buried. He never calls out the name of Jerusalem. And that's significant. Jerusalem had been known as a place of, of insurrection, of difficulty, and it could very well have been if he had said Jerusalem, Artaxerxes could have recoiled and said no, but rather he said the city where my ancestors are buried, the Persians gave high respect to their ancestors, and so as he speaks, he speaks with tact, he speaks with wisdom, I mean it's just amazing of how God prepared him and led him into this conversation Nehemiah's response was brilliant and wise. You remember in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, this prayer. Give your servants success today in the presence of this man. And that's exactly what God did. He shows wisdom. He displays wisdom through the way that he honored the king and the way that he spoke tactfully to him. You and I are going to have big ass. How do we respond? Do we respond with honor? Do we honor the person that we are having this conversation? Do, do we show them honor? Do, do we speak with tact and wisdom? James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks or needs wisdom, you should ask God for it. He is generous to everyone and will give you wisdom without criticizing you. Wisdom. The third thing that I see in Nehemiah is that he always prays. He always prays. He's patient. He shows wisdom. He always prays. We cannot and dare not minimize prayer in our lives. And these seven words, here they are, I prayed to the God of heaven, are potent. They're absolutely potent. Before Nehemiah makes the big ask, he prays. He prays. There are five th- observations, real quick, that I want to give you about prayer that this those seven words speak to. The first one is this. It emphasizes the necessity of prayer. The necessity of prayer. Prayer is literally life to you and to me. It, it builds the life of God in us. It, it enforces and reinforces the intimacy that we are building with God developing with him. It's life to us. And as a Christ follower, you can't live without it. And it's important to know, you, see, you might be saying right now, Gary, I just don't know how to pray. And I've had that question asked me, I don't know how to pray. And how do I do it? You just talk to God as you're talking to your closest friend. And he'll listen. There isn't a formula for how you have to, to what your verbiage should be no, 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 just talk to him. Pour out your heart to him, but pray, but pray. The second thing is this describes the immediacy of prayer. Nehemiah sends up what someone called a prayergram, a prayergram, or another person said it this way, a heavenward plea. It is just that that, that, that prayer that happens immediately. Have you ever done it? I have. When I'm on the road and something crazy happens, and I have to, oh, God, help me. I mean, it's just an immediate prayer. It's, it's when your car's out of control. It's when your baby is sick. It's during a conversation when you, wait, when you desperately need the right words to say. Immediacy of prayer. Nehemiah shows that to us. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. The third thing is that this portrays the intimacy of prayer. The intimacy of prayer. The word intimacy means uh, developing a close and familiar, affectionate, or loving personal relationship with another person. This close relationship allows for big asks. You know what I've discovered? The more, the closer the relationship that I have with someone, the more comfortable I am in asking asking certain things. And I believe that to be absolutely true with God. We feel safe and comfortable, secure. And honestly, it just takes time to develop that relationship. Your time is never spent with God. Listen to this carefully. Your time is never spent with God. It is invested with Him. And it will produce a deep, close familiar, affectionate, and loving relationship with God. The the fourth thing is it demonstrates the confidence of, of prayer. The confidence of prayer. Nehemiah was absolutely certain that God would hear him. Are we that confident? I trust that we are. We need to be just filled with faith and confidence that God will hear us When we pray, Nehemiah was certain that God would hear him. Listen to what the Apostle John writes. He says, we are certain that God will hear our prayers when we ask for what pleases him. And if we know that God listens when we pray, listen to this, we are sure that our prayers have already been answered. You see, prayer is knowing that what I ask for is always bigger than what I could articulate. But it is never, listen to this, but it is never too big for God to understand nor too vast for him to deliver. The certainty we have in prayer is powerful. It's powerful. And then lastly, this proves the effectiveness of prayer. God provided calm direction for Nehemiah and enabled him to articulate the next steps. Whether I'm going to say something that you might consider to be a cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's still true. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. When big asks are on our horizon, and when they arrive, do not fail to pray. Be a person who will pray. Let's do what Paul suggested. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Never stop praying for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And finally today, Nehemiah makes plans. He makes plans. It's interesting. It's interesting that Nehemiah, you see what this, after this big ask, here it is. He just lays out. Here it is. Here's the big ask. He just lays it all out. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's a story involving Yogi Berra. And Yogi Berra, if you're not familiar with him, was famous catcher for the New York Yankees. He was uh, he was quite a character. I had a lot of, uh, I guess I would call him Yogiisms, where he, he just lots of really funny statements. One of the things that Yogi Berra was known for was that when someone would come to, to, to the plate to bat, he would constantly chatter at them. He was trying to distract them. And so I think probably it was effective with some, but there were some it wasn't effective. It didn't work. One of those was Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron's the, the guy that broke Babe Ruth's 714 home run record. And Hank Aaron was playing for the Milwaukee Braves at the time. And the Braves and the Yankees were locked up in the World Series in 1957. Well, Bear, uh, Bear is behind the plate, and Hank Aaron comes to the plate, and Barra tries to get in his head, tries to distract him, and he tells him this. This is what he says. He says, "Henry, Henry, you're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to hold the bat with the with the uh, with the trademark, so you can read the trademark." And Aaron didn't say a thing. Next pitch, he put the ball in the left seat <laughs> in the left field bleachers. It's a home run. Rounds the bases, comes back, touches home plate, looks down at Yogi Berra, and he says this, I didn't come up here to read, and runs to the dugout. The point was is that he had a goal. He had a plan. His plan was to hit the ball out of the park, and he did it. He knew what his goal was, just as Nehemiah did. You see, the trouble for many of us can be summarized in this phrase people who aim at nothing are sure to hit it. We have to put plans in place. Nehemiah, in his four months of prayer and thought, reflection, had planned every detail, and he knew his goal. He knew his goal. And and everything he did led towards that He calculated how long he would be gone. He listed what he would need. He knew letters of passage and permission would dissuade his detractors. And he even knew the name of the keeper of the forest. He did everything ahead of time. Listen to what Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 14. He said, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. Then everyone would laugh at you and they would say, There's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Big asks are in your future and mind. And we need to keep in mind that the dependence on God does not eliminate planning any more than it eliminates hard work. And Nehemiah acknowledged that in the final analysis, the success was not due to his own careful planning, but to God. We would read, and because of the gracious hand of my God it was upon me, the king granted my request. In the midst of all of this, remember what he has done. He was patient. He shows wisdom through honor and tact. He prays, and he even does the immediate prayer in the moment when the big ask is right on his, right on his doorstep. And then he makes plans. All of this works to prepare him for what God has called him to do. Remember, the bigger the ask, the more that we need God's help and guidance. But remember this, and Solomon said it so well, Proverbs 16, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. When I look back at what Nehemiah, that big ask of Nehemiah standing before the most powerful man in the world, it it causes me to think how... What what big ass might be in my future of the Lord, of of other folks? Am I I living a life that is patient? Am I patient? When God says, wait, it's not now, it's not now. The time will come. Am I I living in a way that is honorable? Am Am I showing honor, displaying wisdom, rather, through honor and tact? Am I praying? And am I putting things in place that, When the time comes, I'm prepared. I know what the goal is. And am I completely dependent on God through it all? As Artaxerxes says yes to Nehemiah, Artaxerxes goes above and beyond what Nehemiah asked for. And I think the biggest ask of all for us today is really the asks we make of God. And God is more than able to not only meet our expectations, but to exceed them. We see that very clearly in our deserts. We also see it played out in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could imagine, ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. So I'd ask you this morning, what are the big asks on your horizon? Are you patiently waiting? And I think, Sometimes I think of patience as being active and active waiting. Are you patiently waiting? Are you asking God to give you wisdom? And then with the people that are around you, showing them honor? Are you, are you working diligently so that the things that you say have, have a very potent outcome? Are you praying often and with fervency? And are you dependent upon God to open up your eyes and your hearts on how to plan for the moment of your big ask. It'll come at some point. Remember, the bigger the ask, the more we need God's help and guidance. The biggest ask today that we could ever make of God is for our own spiritual condition. Lord, would you save me? His answer would be, absolutely but we have to come to him in faith another big ask of the lord is lord would you heal me would you heal my family would you restore my family lord would you bring this son or daughter back into a place of relationship with you maybe another big ask is god would you help me with the questions that are on my mind i, I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from i I need the provision of the Lord. Will you help me? There's so many different big asks. And I believe that God will help us and prepare us for those as we wait patiently, as we honor the Lord with wisdom and tact, and as we pray, and as we plan. What are your big asks today? I know God has an answer just it is right and at the perfect time. Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. And in our big asks, Lord, I pray that you would bring life to us. And you would answer according to your ability to go above and beyond anything that we can even think or imagine. We thank you, Jesus, that as we pray this morning and as our big asks are presented to you, that we would be prepared. That that absolutely without fail we would be patient we would show wisdom lord we would pray i think we would also we would have the appropriate plans that you would guide and direct in our lives thank you we give you all the honor and praise today and our big asks come before you with gratitude thank you jesus in your name we pray amen